You're listening to Forging Fluidity with Savannah Wishart and Griffin Coombs, where we humbly navigate the idea of primal purpose, exploring conversations around physical, psychological, and spiritual well-being on the quest for a truly conscious and meaningful human experience. This time we find ourselves speaking on the topic of resistance and all of the personal insights that can come with, well, avoiding things. We've all put things off or found a reason to sidestep certain things we know we should probably do, and this episode can be an invitation to examine that with curiosity. Am I resisting this because it's bad for me, or am I resisting this because there's something under the surface stopping me from taking a step toward a better version of myself? Join us as we share some of our ongoing challenges with resistance and how we, as flawed humans, do our best to navigate them. If you find this episode supportive, please help us reach more ears by liking, sharing, and subscribing. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome back to week six of Forging Fluidity with myself, Savannah Wisher, and my co-host, Griffin Coombs. Today, we're going to talk about resistance and how we can lean into resistance and maybe a little bit about what it might mean to feel resistant towards certain things that we know that are good for us and are going to provide us a valuable experience toward the direction we want to follow in life. And this kind of brings us back to what we touched on in our pilot episode of sharing our own growth processes that we're going through and being really vulnerable and transparent about not knowing all the answers to anything and showing that we have this imperfect, messy process of trying to figure life out as best we can and what that looks like for us. Yes, and I think this was a reminder when we were talking about doing this episode, we were just kind of hashing out ideas. It was a reminder from ourselves to ourselves that we're not here necessarily to bestow any wisdom upon anybody else as teachers or gurus or anything like that. But it was an opportunity for us to step back into our mindset of people who are growing alongside our listeners and alongside our clients, even the people that we coach. And talking about this more as an offering of perspective rather than a bestowing of absolute knowledge. And so just to let you all know that we are coming at this very much as people who are dealing with this issue of resistance. And I think it comes up in our own respective lives pretty frequently. Um, and including right now, there are a few things that we're going through kind of, kind of together. We're both going through one, one opportunity that we're resisting. And then I think in our separate lives, there are things going on too. So hope you'll enjoy this short conversation journey on leaning into what might scare us or what, what, what we know is probably good for us or supportive for us, but for some reason we are just avoiding. Absolutely. And I think the the focus on perspective is such an important one because we can get so stuck in tunnel vision of our own lives and the level that we're at, the people we know, what is comfortable to us. And for me, like lately, 
as we've been discussing off the record, I have been just challenged with my own routines around movement and taking care of myself in certain ways. And one reason that I feel like I kind of go through these slump periods is because I need that reminder of what it's like to be at the beginner level. Because when I'm really in my comfort zone with coaching and performance, then I forget how to bring it back sometimes to the beginner's mindset. And then I can't always lower myself to that level to start with the baby steps. So in these periods where I'm pulled back into the more challenging times and figuring things out, then it's just like, oh, yeah, this is what it's like. And this is how hard it can be to actually take these first steps and build the momentum to keep going. And so kind of learning how to walk and crawl again. So we were talking a little bit about an, an opportunity that both of us have on our plates. And you open the door for me to have this opportunity. There's a, a company that does movement and mobility videos on, on an app. There are a million companies that do that. So one of them you were in contact with and then put me in contact with the person who kind of arranges the coaches who, who do videos for this app. And the idea is that it's, it's a pretty, it's pretty on paper sounds like a really uh, great gig. And it actually might be a really great gig where you're, you're recording videos using expertise as movement and mobility coaches on our own time and submitting videos and being part of this this app with subscribers and getting paid per per kind of by time like per minute per video so it's definitely a legit professional endeavor we're both physical um, movement slash fitness coaches with the expertise to do videos like that, as you you heard on our last episode, episode five on on biomechanics and functional movement, and so on paper it doesn't really look like there's much to resist there, and yet both of us we just found out that the other one has been putting this off for months and months, and so we wanted to to bring this to the forefront and and explore why because I think just like they say with emotional triggers if you're having a conversation with something and something they say is a trigger for you and it makes you defensive or angry or makes you shut down that's always an opportunity to turn inward and to explore the why to either help heal yourself or to refine your coping mechanisms to dealing with that trigger and with resistance, I think it's the same thing. It's if you can consciously spot your resistance, then you can take an opportunity to ask why and figure something out, figure something out about yourself. And as we said at the beginning, I'm not saying that we have figured this out about ourselves right now, but here's an opportunity. So Savannah, do you have any insight or any sort of guesses for yourself as to where the resistance for the the app work comes from yeah i do have a few different ideas and it's so funny when we were talking about this with our last recording because 
In order to do these recordings, just for the audience to understand, we have certain tools, and it's under the brand name of the company and specific tools that we need from them. And when I first had connected Griffin with the company, then there was the issue of the international shipping and stuff. And so I actually didn't know that things were moving forward for you. And then I mentioned that I was struggling to come up with the videos last time we recorded. And then you had mentioned that, oh, yeah, your family actually brought them to you. And then you were having this resistance as well, which I thought was really funny. So um, because the reason why I had brought it up was because you actually record movement videos fairly regularly and video is not my comfort zone. So I wanted to pick your brain about like what the best way was to approach creating videos, maybe with angles. And that was my way, I think, to approach and start to figure out the why behind my resistance was, is it a technical piece that I'm not comfortable with that I need to kind of intellectually understand? Um, because first it was the microphone and then we got through the microphone by doing the podcast. So I was like, yes, mm -hmm. we've got this out of the way. And then it would be figuring out how to use the microphone in connection to the camera and then figuring out camera angles and then making sure the background was good, making sure the audio was good with the mic. Um, so I knew that there were these technical pieces, but beneath it, then I kind of would wonder, is that a distraction from something else? Because the technical piece, it's always easy to go into the head and say, like, if I technically understand something, then X, Y, Z will happen. Because I am such an intellectual person with, like, problem solving. And I try to understand things because if I understand them, I think I can fix them. So I would say if, like, I do think there is some validity to the technical aspects, but then beneath that, then it would be about perfectionism and a feeling of questioning whether I have the actual skills and expertise to create videos on this app because I don't feel that I am an expert with mobility or other things. And if they really wanted an expert, then they could go to someone who is certified in a whole different range of personal training things and specified movement patterns, but they came to me. And we actually discussed creating things that would have more of like, more elements built into it, like, journal prompts and some meditations and some small pieces of routines. And so it wouldn't just be about the mobility. And then with that in mind, then what I have tried to come back to is like, okay, they don't, if they wanted like this, just someone who's just focused on mobility as an expertise, they could go to so many different people, but then I bring something different in. And then how do I create something that is mine? And it's a mixture of elements that is unique. So I would say long answer to your question that it's like perfectionism and 
not enoughness in terms of expertise level. Um, and then the technical pieces, I guess that would probably be the main three. Hmm. Those actually all really resonate with me as well. And I'm glad you share them, shared them first. And in that way, um, I'll, I'll try and link my mind. I think the surface level angle or sorry, below the surface is slightly different, but the technical stuff, I mean, I, rec I record videos, but I, I don't put a lot of thought into them and I just throw them on Instagram uh, when I feel like I have something to say. I do it in video form because I feel like that's just more engaging than just an audio file with some words attached or whatever. And I, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to make it a professionally produced thing. It's just a snippet on Instagram. I have resistance to YouTube for that reason, because those videos are, there's sort of a standard for a successful video on YouTube that I don't believe I have the technical expertise to do. And I, so this would be something similar for if you're going to send a video and get paid to send a video for a professional mobility video app. I don't believe I have the technical expertise to make a video that way. I don't believe that I have the access to the proper studio or space or background or something that looks aesthetically pleasing. And that ties into the perfectionism because even if the company would be okay with it, and I don't think they would, I think there are terms in the contract that require a certain level of professionalism with your background and things like that. You know, I'm, I, none of us are without the resources to just make that happen. Like we could all find a good background and we could all teach ourselves the ins and outs of making a good video. I think for me where, and then, and then there's also that good enough piece of just like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not good enough to do, to make something like this happen on my own. Like there's always this sense of a imposter syndrome of just like, it's always going to feel like even if it was successful, I, I still don't identify as someone who's good at making videos or who is good at this type of thing. And so it'll always feel inauthentic because of whatever self-worth contributes to kind of imposter syndrome, which is the other side of the perfectionism coin. It's almost like you won't stop until it's perfect, but then no matter how perfect it is, it's not going to be good enough for you to feel like you're somebody who can really do something like this. Yeah. And, and the piece about, I mean, I, I have, you know, I have, uh, I mean, biomechanics and corrective exercise and all of these things that revolve around mobility, they're kind of my wheelhouse. And I believe still that there are people like, why me? And the, so the, the unique thing that I had to offer in terms of what this app currently has is breath work and, you know, having a lot of experience around breathing and breath work training and having, being certified in that as well. So that was something that they really wanted me to add in. And there's a tool that is, could be used for breath work. But for me, it's, it's really, it's difficult when 
again, if you listen to episode five, you would have an idea of my views that there's kind of, there's a blueprint for human movement. And in order to understand how not complicated that blueprint is, things get very complicated. And I almost think that I don't want to, I could probably do a total of five videos and that would be all that I have to offer in terms of what I authentically believe is necessary and beneficial for most people to do in terms of mobility. And beyond that, I mean, I know a million exercises, stretches, rolling techniques, whatever, that might make people feel good in the short term and could sort of figure out ways to use these tools from the company that we're supposed to use. But beyond a few movements or a few principles that really fit into the blueprint that I believe is what we're all striving for, for movement, for performance, for, for bodily health, there's, there's not much else. And so to, to kind of join this company and to be committed to being a coach is like, well, I don't want to be making videos, uh, prescribing movements with tools that I don't believe are beneficial. And what I do believe is beneficial isn't really going to contribute long-term. So I think there is an authentic reason for resistance in that regard. Um, but I would be lying if I said that the other stuff wasn't also there. That is, that is work to be done psychologically, the perfectionism, the self-worth, uh, and all that other stuff. So I, I really do think in this particular case, it's a mix. And I guess it just speaks to the idea that these things aren't always straightforward. There's not always just one answer. Yeah. I, I really feel you with the kind of that authenticity also behind how many videos you feel can be produced in the way that you want it because, and I think that this is a challenge in representing any company or any brand um, and selling it in the world because I think both of us believe that health is very simple. And I've talked about before, like, if you really accept and love yourself, then you don't need that much. You don't need to be a consumer. You don't need to fix yourself. You don't need to buy all these different tools. And even if you look at the self-help uh, world, it's like there's all of these self-help books and they have all these good intentions behind them, but then it's, it's encouraging more consumerism and the whole sales perspective is that you're broken. So you need to fix yourself. So you need to buy more books and read more. And so simply accepting yourself and just being a simple human following these simple structures of maintaining your health, it doesn't benefit the economy. So I think that that is a valid resistance. Yeah. And like anything that we're resisting that is ongoing or is supposed to be, is supposed to be a job or is supposed to be something long-term we, we run into, or we can run into this kind of conundrum. 
But I'm, I'm glad, I don't know if that was an intentional segue to minimalism or not, no. but that, <laughs> well, it was brilliant. But here is because, your door. <laughs> thank you very much. I will gladly walk through. Uh, there, we, we were just talking before we started recording about other ways that these, this resistance pops into our separate lives because the, the mobility app thing was something that's shared between both of us. And the thing that always pops back into my life because I wear clothes every day, uh, and despite what you might have thought, I know, well, despite <laughs> what you might have thought, uh, after the nakedness episode, we, we do wear clothes, we do go out in public, uh, and we have and, tan and, lines. Um, yeah, we, we're, we're regular human beings a lot of the time in society. And so, uh, <laughs> every time I go into my closet, I experience this, this feeling of, of pressure, this feeling of a slight overwhelm, a little bit of stress at the amount of clothes that I have. Now, I don't have a lot of clothes by most people's standards, but by my standards, I feel like I have a lot. And the reason I feel like I have a lot is because I don't regularly wear everything that I have. And so the pressure, I feel like I need to wear everything. Like I can't let something sit in my closet, you know, and every time I see something that I haven't worn, now I feel this, this pressure to find a reason to wear it. Or even if it's not practical for me, you know, and I'm at the point where it's like, it's like, I, oh my goodness, summer's almost over. And I've worn, I haven't worn a lot of these t-shirts and I got to wear them before the weather gets cold and I start <laughs> switching to long sleeves. Like I can't let a season go by without me wearing everything I have. And I always come back to the idea of minimalism in the way of just not having as much stuff and just only having the stuff that really has a purpose. And I experience so much resistance Partially because I know that getting rid of stuff is hard when, you know, you have, we just become attached to our stuff and that's kind of human. And, uh, but I don't, I don't doubt my ability to get over that. I think I resist in the first place, even taking the audit of what is actually serving a purpose, what is actually bringing me joy, what I really, really, really like having and what, if I didn't see it ever again, whether I realize it or not, I wouldn't really care. Just taking that first step to auditing that I am resisting because it feels like such a daunting process and perhaps I'm afraid of what it might, uh, what it might uncover. Um, to, to tie this back into the mobility video conundrum quickly, I think that there is a big fear of success when they say that mm. we often confuse fear of failure with fear of success. I think that's really true. Whereas it, where if you imagine with the mobility videos, like what if it became, what if I became really good at it and then I would feel pressure to do more videos and then those would be really successful. And then what if that takes up too much of my time and then I don't have time for a bunch of other things that, you know, it's almost like this fear of losing control 
if you become successful um, yeah. in an endeavor. Like and, everything and a lot just of, snowball. Yeah, exactly. And it'll and it's like I'm how am I gonna keep track of my schedule if I become really successful with a freelance project and yep. how so with the with the minimalism, it's like, yeah, what what would that leave room for if I didn't have all these clothes? Like mm. what you what know will if I you'd if be I, able to invite in. Exactly. And that is that is scary from a fear of success perspective. So it's like, what types of changes, first of all, what change, what types of changes would I undergo like, in letting go of a bunch a of stuff? Well, yeah, that, I'm, just, <laughs> well, I'm just thinking of, before, I'm thinking of before I even get there, I'm thinking of just doing the process, just like what types of stuff do I have to, do I have to face within myself in order to discover what I'm ready to let go or why I'm not ready to let it go? What kind of transformation does one have to go through to let your stuff go? And I don't think that's true for everybody, but it's probably true for me if I'm resisting it so much. And then after I let it go, it's like, what, where does that road go? And that's scary. It's overwhelming. And so I think that's a different, that's a different type of resistance than the the mobility videos one, it's a little bit less complex and it seems a little bit clearer. It's a little more concrete. Uh, and the fact that I face it every single day because I go into my closet every single day is it's just like a gentle knock on the door of my mind. Do you have a lot of sentimental value attached to your clothes? Not really. I just, I, I guess I have a lot of, I have a lot of, the conversation in my head is more about, um, it's like hoarder mentality kind of, even though I don't, I don't hoard many things. Um, but it's the mentality of just like, I might need this one day and I can't seem to let something go a lot of the time if I feel like I might need it even if I don't need it right now, which is, that's a, you know, that's a logical fallacy. It's like, if I need it, I can get it. It's like a just in case. Exactly. Instead of just in time. And I think one just in case thing or two just in case things can be justified. But when you start to accumulate things that are stressing you out and a lot of them are just in case things, it's, it's time for an audit. Yeah. So what about you? What's to tell our, our, community a little bit about the resistance you've been dealing with well I'm not sure I've had uh, we were talking before we had the recording about different about what resistance actually is because I was kind of relating it to I was relating it to staying here in Portugal and really resisting being here and like I don't want to be here anymore. But then we were talking about maybe that isn't resisting, but instead that's having a feeling of aversion towards something. And so the resistance being that we are supposed to do something that we know is good, but we're not doing it. And so we're kind of, I mean, if you think of resistance training in that sense, I don't know, does that make sense actually? visually 
Yes. Yeah. That there's got to be a pull in the opposite direction for it to be resistance. Yeah. So I've had this resistance to staying in Portugal. And so then is it really resistance if there isn't a very real reason for me to be here that I'm fighting against? Or is it kind of this emptiness that is here and I'm just existing in it? And so it isn't resisting, but it's just kind of like I'm done and it's fine and I move on to the next thing. So Yeah. And you'd mentioned the 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 you're pulled to in another direction, which I think the leaving Portugal, because you had mentioned the beach and mountains thing, which would be great if you um, want to recap for our listeners, but it, but the pull is away from Portugal toward yeah. the mountains, as, as you mentioned. And so staying in Portugal and finding reasons to stay in Portugal sounds to me like that's the resistance, not the other way around. That's true. Yeah. Up until a week ago, I was really feeling like I really needed to either go to Lisbon and be better connected for meeting people, finding a movement community, or I needed to go to Sweden or I needed to go back to the U.S. And in this very tunnel vision focused reality that I created for myself, those were the only three options. And it felt so heavy and I knew that I was going to give my landlord my month's notice. And I just felt this like panic of, I don't know, like what am I really going to do in a month? Because none of these directions feels right. And it just felt heavy and tiring and confusing. And then in the last week it opened up um, some possibilities and conversations around going to the Dolomites and I just had these things come together over a few days that connected the dots and it reminded me of how much I love the mountains and that I've always loved the mountains. I love the mountains in the summer, the winter, the autumn, the spring. There's never a time when I don't love the mountains. But I've been in Sweden for so many of the past winters, I think almost every winter of the last six years, I've been in Sweden and it's dark, like less than four hours of daylight during the shortest days. And it's miserable. Wow. <laughs> and, good. and so my relation to winter is like, has been reprogrammed to be Swedish, a Swedish experience of, and an urban Swedish experience, a Stockholm experience of dark, gray, depressing, and cold, and not even snowy. So I felt like I kind of fell into the idea that you're supposed to chase summer, and you're supposed to chase sun, and beaches, and the ocean, and kind of denying myself the reality that I love the mountains actually and I love hiking and that's where I that's where my comfort is and I came to Portugal with the idea of learning how to surf and really wanting to make that my thing and I don't really want it to be my thing I want it to be something I do sometimes but to recognize that the foundation of my life is hiking and the mountains and the outdoors 
and that that is my comfort and that it's okay to also want something to be comfortable and that I don't have to constantly be pushing myself into uncomfortable situations for the sake of being uncomfortable. I think that's really insightful. And I would say that there's a big, there's a difference between putting yourself in uncomfortable situations for the sake of it, small scale versus big scale. Like, I don't think we need to do that big scale because that's just, in a sense, just diminishing our quality of life. On the other hand, there are times where we put ourselves through discomfort on purpose, where the discomfort itself trains us to move toward resistance and to get out of our comfort zone and to to seek what we are kind of resisting uh, putting our toes into. So if you think of, if I think of the way that I, uh, the training, the thing that I, I really don't look forward to is my zone five interval training. Mm. I just, I just really don't, it's just so uncomfortable. It's whether it's on a Stairmaster or I'm running on the road, I'll do, I, I think I mentioned this on the last episode, I'll do two minutes of walking followed by one minute of as hard as I can go and keep up that pace for one minute. So running really fast or doing like a super fast stair climb for a minute is exhausting. It feels like forever. And then I'll repeat that for anywhere from five to to eight times. And I just hate it. And then I have to think, okay, am I injured? No. Is my nervous system out of whack where it's not a good idea for me to do this on this day? No, my nervous system is stable. Am I, is my body recovered enough to handle this type of workout? Yes. So the resistance is just coming from that place in my brain that's just like, eh, I don't want to. And I think leaning into discomfort when that's the resistance is so important. It's the same, same with the cold shower in the morning. It's like, okay, am I sick? Is this going to shock my immune system when it doesn't need to be shocked? No, I'm perfectly fine. Okay, it's really that I'm just like, uh, cold water doesn't feel nice. And so that's when I know that it's not the, like, of course we do it because the cold water itself has a benefit. A zone five exercise itself has a benefit, but the biggest benefit when your only resistance is that voice inside your head is the fact that it sucks and that you do it anyway. That in and of itself is the greatest benefit in my opinion. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm mustering up the courage (laughs) to go through this minute. And and to be fair, I have taken some steps toward moving, like minimizing my belongings, especially when it comes to clothes. Like we had a visitor kind of recently and I gave him a bunch of stuff and most of it fit him and he was really happy to receive it. So like a small pile was gone to him. So that I can't imagine the avoidance, the denial, everything that I would be feeling and putting myself through around this kind of thing if I weren't in the habit of moving toward resistance with the small tangible things in my life like 
exercise or a cold shower. And I know that the personal growth community is very big on, you know, start your day with doing something hard, get yourself out of your comfort zone, and then that makes the rest of the day easy. Well, not always, but there's some truth about just training yourself to voluntarily put yourself through something that you don't necessarily want to do at the same as training a movement pattern is just like, you're going to get better at it. You're going to get stronger at it, you know, in an ideal world. I mean, sometimes success is not linear, but we all know that. And so that's the benefit that I think if, if we were to offer some advice, um, in principle, it would be, it would be that it would be find something small, find something tangible, concrete. And as uh, Jordan Peterson would say, and I know he's a polarizing figure. Half the people think that he's literally the devil incarnate. Other half of people think he's, you know, God's gift to intellectualism. I'm not claiming that he's either. I am citing him as somebody who's, you know, a, has a clinical psychology background, who's made it his, a lot of who's made it his life's work to help a lot of people specifically in this regard. So he has expertise in this regard, whether you like him or not. And he, one of his things is saying, if you find something that you know you should be doing that you're not doing, or find something that you know you shouldn't be doing, but are doing and see if you can just, just fix that. And that, because I think your story around the move around where you, where you kind of belong, where you want to be spending your life is super insightful. But when we get more bigger picture, that's when we really need to know ourselves and we have to go through the whole, is this resistance or is this aversion? Am I resisting it because it's bad for me or am I resisting it because I should do it and I'm scared? And all like all of those questions, they're hard to go through. And I think we need experience in moving into resistance on a smaller scale before we're ready to go there. And so, uh, and I include myself in that, right? So I would say if, if there's a lot of big things, just start with the small stuff, find something that's so tangible, so concrete, and there's no denial. Like if you are eating 10 donuts a day, it's, there's no <laughs> denying that you should not be doing that. You know, it's not like, well, am I, am I resisting stopping donuts because the donuts are actually good for me? And I just, you no, know, that question <laughs> does not exist if you're eating 10 donuts a day where it might exist if you're talking about like a career change, you know, or a relationship issue or where to live in the world. Like, so start with the donuts or, yeah, you know, or objective. the cold showers. Exactly. Something objective and concrete there yeah. where there's no question about why they're like, whether or not it's good for you and, and see if you can do that. Yeah. That really brings it back to like the day to day reality, because that's where so much, that's where our life happens. So it's not the, I mean, for me, environment and landscape plays a very important role and I have the luxury to be searching where my life fits in a bigger picture but like 
we carry our daily actions with us, no matter what the background of our life is going to look like. What matters is those repeated habits and the consistency. So, and I think too, as you said as well, just the going into the discomfort as well and using that to grow just reminds me a little bit of my current experience because there are some things that I'm struggling with that I feel like I should have a little bit more resilience with. And I've been reflecting on where I was like in the spring with my training and different things and more of my performance work. And when I consistently put myself into specified containers of physical challenge, like mill ruck events, like 12 hour rucking events, when I'm training for that, life is so much easier because that is really difficult to do. And I'm putting myself in those containers of sucking and then if I have that, then I can carry the the mental toughness over into the rest of my life and things are a lot easier. And right now, I don't have that level of training in my life. I'm not training with that intensity or going into those difficult spaces. And so I've actually found that real life is a little bit more difficult to handle and I don't have the resilience uh, that I normally have to deal with things from a more neutral perspective. So it's really reminding me of how important it is to go into those containers of discomfort. Absolutely. And I, I love use the word containers, containers of sucking, containers of discomfort. <laughs> because if I guess if you don't have a container, then it can feel like discomfort is just bleeding into your entire life. Like everything is uncomfortable and that's not what we want either. It's almost like, it's like a training session. It's like, we don't want to, we're not supposed to be, you know, carrying heavy things 24 hours a day. It's like we set aside times to train so that the rest of our life becomes easier when we have, when we have demands placed on us that are are more more constant but less intense than our training demands so i feel like it's just the same thing with discomfort it's like life is never or very rarely is it sunshine and rainbows but if we get have a concentrated dose of discomfort then we're able to to spread our resilience to that over the course of just kind of constant but less intense discomfort that just is it's just what daily life is a lot of the time. Yeah, very eloquently put. So that takes us to almost 45 minutes. So to, to wrap it up, we want to make sure that this, it's clear that the story of figuring this stuff out is not over. It's not over for us. It's, I can't imagine it's over for any of our listeners. And I don't think it ever will be over because there will always be discomfort and resistance rearing its head in our lives. Remember that it can show up in many different ways, that it can feel like you're resisting something that's bad for you or that you're resisting something that's good for you. And you need to kind of do some digging about why you're resisting something good for you. Remember that that's, it's not always easy to tell the difference. And I think that the grander, the 
the issue, the bigger it is, the harder it is to tell the difference. So one of the things that we can do is take small, concrete parts of our lives and move toward resistance in those areas where we know that the thing we are resisting is good for us. Well put. And to just lean into curiosity and to ask those questions to yourself with the point of a non-judgmental curiosity that's not attached to labeling it necessarily good or bad, but maybe coming back to just what makes you feel good. I guess that is labeling, but you know what I mean. Hopefully. I sure do. <laughs> yes. And that's just such a great, a great addition. And I, I really hope that resonates and gets through to people who are listening here that it, the more that you label something in terms of labeling something like your resistance itself, good or bad or beating yourself up or judging, the more you are going to resist, number one, but number two, the more you're going to avoid being curious and learning about yourself, what you need to learn about yourself through the resistance, which is kind of the whole point. So yes, times a thousand to the, the curiosity piece. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you as always for listening. You can find us on Instagram, mainly me at moves with Coombs. There are underscores between each word. You can find Savannah at primal revolutions and as always, send us some DMs, uh, reach out to us in the comment section of the podcast. If your, your podcast platform has commenting, let us know what you think. Let us know what resonates. Let us know what else you would like to hear us touch on. And as always, you can look at our show notes. I include some exercises written there with each episode. So whether it's a journal prompt or... As in episode five, we have a suggested weekly training program. So you can check those out as well for some additional resources. Thanks for listening and we will see you next time.